worship team. You know, it's a good way to start every day in blessing the Lord. Tell Him how good He is and how good He has been to you. It's a great way to start your day. When you came in this morning, you found a card sitting on your seat. And I want to just explain what that is. We're going to have a first fruit offering the last Sunday of this month, March the 29th. And what this is for is so that we can complete the downtown campus to get that open and ready for ministry. So we ask that you would consider helping us. Uh, if you'd like to give uh, a bulk amount at that time, that's fine. If you'd like to stretch that out, if you'd like to give a little bit and stretch it out, that's fine too. But uh, just think about this, pray about this, what you can do to help us. We still need about $80,000 to complete this to get us up and going. And if we each do a little bit, we can get this done. So we want to get ministry started down there. So uh, if you can uh, fill this out and turn this in, you can put that in the bucket on your way out or in the next service. That'll be fine as well. One more thing. We've got prayer sign-up sheets out in the foyer. Uh, we have joined with 30 other churches to pray one day a month. And we've got the last day of each month. We've still got some open slots at uh, uh, 15, 30-minute in increments. And you can fill that out. You can put your name on there. Uh, it's not exclusive to one person. If you find a time that works for you, just write your name in there. Listen, prayer changes things. That's been said over and over again, but it is truth. Prayer What did the Lord say? He said, if my people will simply pray to me, things will change. So we want to pray for this area. We want to be a part of what God is doing. So thank you for taking advantage of that as well. Well, my name is Brian Polk. I don't know if you've met me or not, but I'm on staff here at Grace Church, the best church in the area, I believe. And that's it. That's right. And uh, our senior pastor and his wife, Pastor and Janie, they're not here today. I'm sure you can see that. But it's interesting, they went to a conference in Missouri, and they've been in a monastery for the past couple days. This conference was in a monastery. They had to set aside all their electronic devices, their iPhones, their iPads, their Apple Watches. Kind of funny, I, I texted Pastor this morning, I said, did you survive? And his answer was, I think I'm a little more Catholic. <laughs> So we'll see what happens when they get back. But they're, uh, they're through with the conference. They're going to spend a couple days in Nebraska with some of their family. And they'll be back next week. But we miss them, don't we? I want to say again, if you will honor your pastor, the Lord will honor you. I'm a firm believer in that. I want the blessing. And it comes down from the head. Amen? All right, we're going to continue the story that pastor has been uh, teaching us about Jonah and the book of Jonah. Um, remember, Pastor told us that Jonah was a prodigal. And what does prodigal mean? It means recklessly extravagant. When you look at Jonah and his life, he was recklessly extravagant with a passion to get away from what God wanted him to do. He was going, I mean, he had a passion to get away. He got on a boat. He was going out to sea. He thought, if I can get far enough away, God will forget me. He won't be able to find me out here. But God has a way of finding us no matter where we go. Isn't that right? So really the story of Jonah, this book of Jonah, is all about grace. It's all about grace. We are Grace Church. Pastor has uh, told us that, that our motto, the church mission, is for all people. But grace 
church has to be more than just a sign on a door or a sign out front. It's got to be who we are. So when we read the book of Jonah, we come to understand grace. I started looking because it's it's interesting when you delve into grace. And Pastor and I have had many conversations, and I've really learned from, from this series that he has preached on Jonah about grace. But I found a really good description of grace, and it's found on Christianity.com. And it says, grace is mercy, not merit. Grace is the opposite of karma. You've heard of karma, getting what you deserve, whether that's good or bad. Well, he got what he deserved. That's karma. Well, grace is the exact opposite because grace is getting what we don't deserve, but it's also not getting what we do deserve. In the word grace, we all need that, but it's not about us. The word grace is really a word about God. And let me read you the description of what it says in this website. Grace is his uncoerced initiative and pervasive, extravagant demonstrations of care and favor. That's a lot of big words in one little phrase. But the truth of the matter is what grace is, is God's longing to find you where you at, no matter what you've done or where you are at, to go out of his way to find and touch your heart. That's what grace really is. In Acts 20 and 24, Paul said this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. The good news of God's grace. Grace is good news. A few years ago, on a Sunday, we had two services here. And then I had to go and conduct a funeral down I-40. So it was right after service, had to take off, go down there, did the funeral. So I'm coming home, you know, down I-40, you're doing about 70. 70 miles an hour. So I'm going down I-40, and I'm heading home up to Hudson, down 321. And I'm looking in my rear view mirror. I said, why are these cars so far behind me? What's going on? And then I looked down at my speedometer, and I thought I was still on I-40. I was still going 70. It's like, oh, no, and I slowed down. But then I saw a blue light right behind me. It's like, oh, Jesus. So I pulled over to the side, and he pulled over behind me, and that's never a good sign. And he got out of his car and he walked up to me and said, I need your driver's license and registration. Then he said something kind of smart. Going a little fast there, ain't you, buddy? It's like, yes, sir. Tried to explain the situation. He goes back to his car and he's sitting back there for a while. And he comes back and he hands me on my driver's license and registration. says, I'm going to let you go today. Don't let me ever catch you again. You understand? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's grace in action right there. That was good news. That was good news for my insurance company. That was good news for my insurance premiums. That was good news for my wallet. It just kind of made an all-around good day. That's how grace works. That's what grace is. So let's get back to Jonah. Now, where we're at with Jonah, Jonah has gotten an assignment from God. 
You need to go to the city of Nineveh and preach repentance unto them. He says, no, I ain't interested. I'm taking off this way. So he heads down. He goes to the sea, books passage on a ship, and he takes off. And a storm starts up in the sea. Now let's pick up here Jonah 1, 11 through 17. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So we see these men, these sailors, the ones who operated this ship, and they asked Jonah a question, and they said, what should we do? What are we supposed to do? Now understand, these men were sailors. It was their boat. They, their life was on the sea. So they were used to in, encountering storms in on the sea. They were used to rough waters. They were, they were used to that. That was their livelihood. They lived on the sea. They understood all that. But at this point, they had thrown overboard everything that wasn't nailed down. They said, what are we going to do? They were frantic to save themselves and the ship. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have ever been deep sea fishing? A couple of us. Okay, I've been a few times. Never had any issues. Me and a buddy used to go all the time. Hadn't been in quite a while. But we would always go to uh, spend vacation together in Myrtle Beach and then go down to Myrtle's Inlet. There's a marina there where you can uh, get on a boat and go out deep sea fish. So we decided to go on a full day trip. This is a 12-hour trip. It's four hours out to the Gulf Stream, four hours fishing, and then four hours back. So we showed up at 6 o'clock, got on this boat, headed out, and got out into the open water, and it's rough. I mean, you look around, there's white caps everywhere. The wind's blowing. I looked off in the distance. It's black and lightning. And I'm thinking, what are we doing out here? Lord have mercy. This doesn't look really good. And the boat was going thoom, thoom with the waves. The bow just up and down and up and down. I looked at my friend. I said, I'm not feeling too good. So we headed down into the cabin. About 30 minutes out, everybody, almost everybody on the boat except the crew was sick. We all had our own little buckets, if you know what I'm saying. So I'm sitting there with my bucket, and I'm thinking, I've got 11 and a half more hours of this. Wow. So we head out. We go to our first stop. And I look at my buddy, and I say, man, I paid money for this. i got to catch something. So I get up, and I stagger up out of the cabin and go around and get my fishing rod and it was so bad you could see the waves come up above the boat and the boat above the waves grab my fishing rod I had to lean back against the cabin of the boat and put my feet on the top rail just to stabilize myself the boat's just moving all over the place I let the uh, line down it goes forever because you're in deep water the Gulf Stream it caught something reeled it up came up and it was a red snapper beautiful fish I didn't care. I just set it back in. The fish just swaying in the wind. I go back and get in the cabin and grab my bucket. You know what I'm saying? 
It was bad. It was bad. And my friend said, uh, you know, the best place to be if you're feeling sick is on the back of the boat. So I'm going to the back of the boat. So I clamber up the stairs again, and I find this long bench along the side of the boat. So I sit down there at the back of the boat. And I look up, and there's this old salty dog of a guy, going on a black raincoat and a black cap, and he looks at me. He's drinking milk and eating crackers. Last thing I need to see. And all of a sudden, the boat took a bad hit, bad wave, and it came down. Water shot straight up, and it came right down on top of me. So then I'm soaking wet, and it's cold, and I'm shivering. All my insides are gone, and I'm just saying, just throw me overboard. I'm done. I'm good with God. Let's just go. I'm ready for heaven. Just take me now, Lord. Take me now. Jonah was about in the same spot. But it wasn't because he was seasick, it's because he was spirit sick. So let's look at where Jonah was. Remember, they, they found Jonah, but where was he? The word says he was in the lower part of the ship alone, asleep. I think Jonah felt extremely guilty because he knew. Remember, he told him, he said, guys, this is my fault. Guilt will cause you to pull away, will cause you to isolate yourself because you don't want to deal with anything or anybody. And I think he was wore out from his passionate leave of his assignment. So he's down in the lower part of the ship alone. I think he felt guilt. He felt the misery of disobedience. When I lived in Charlotte, you know, your neighbors, you stand along the fence and you talk back and forth, different things. And my neighbor is a great guy, had a, a friendship with him. But I noticed every Sunday morning that when I'm putting my family in the car, he's putting his golf clubs in the car. And about when I get home, my family's coming out of the car and he's taking his golf clubs out. And I remember talking to him one time about that. And he said, he laughed, said, huh, yeah, I know I'm running. I'm running from the Lord. I know I'm called to preach, <laughs> but I'm just running. And I could hear in his voice that misery of disobedience that he felt. He knew what he was supposed to do, but just like Jonah, he was running. But here we see Jonah, and he's in that misery of disobedience. And he says in verse 12, he says, I know what you need to do. Just throw me overboard. Just throw me overboard. Listen to what this means. Jonah was saying, I would rather die than obey God and do my assignment. That's heavy stuff. This guy had some issues, didn't he? <laughs> I think Jonah thought if he was out of the picture, if he went far enough away, that God would forget about him and go ahead and destroy his enemy. Go ahead and destroy the Ninevites. Go ahead and get these people out of the way. So we don't, that's one less group of people that the Jewish people have to worry about. And you know what's interesting is this isn't the first time we hear about Jonah. In 2 Kings 14 and 25, there's a reference to the prophet Jonah prophesying to King Jeroboam, saying, you will enlarge Israel's territory, you will take over others' territory, and the country will be enlarged because of you. Now, Jeroboam was a wicked king, but yet Jonah's words came true. Now, at this point, Jonah was all into that. 
He was like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. This is good stuff. I'm all for this. This is my heart, man. I'm, I, I, I'm Jewish-minded. The Jews are going are gonna to enlarge. We're going to take over. This is good stuff. So Jonah, this wasn't the first time that Jonah had been given an assignment as a prophet from God. But yet, when the Lord says, Jonah, I want you to go to your enemy, and I want you to preach repentance unto them, all of a sudden, Jonah, he's out of the picture. Where did he go? Pastor has taught us that Jonah was basically a patriotic nationalist. Now, what does that mean? It means you are all for your country to the exclusion of everyone else. Everyone else will suffer, but my country will be... I'll make sure that my country is taken care of. That was Jonah. He wanted his enemies destroyed, not blessed. But getting back to the story, in verse 13 it says, Instead, or the King James says, nevertheless, they rode harder. The sailors rode harder. And when you, when you do a study of this, it explains it as like, putting your shovel in the earth and digging it up. Just real, they were digging down in the water, trying with everything in them to get back to safe passage because the ship was in such dire straits. They were trying their best. No matter what Jonah said, they didn't want to kill Jonah. They didn't want to see him hurt. They wanted to get back on their own. But the word says this, Proverbs 21.30, No wisdom, no understanding, and no counsel will prevail against the Lord. So in reality, they were trying in vain. And I think many times we work so hard in the present that we lose sight of the goal. We work so hard for the here that we lose sight of the there. We, we work so hard for the present that we lose sight of the future. Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Amazing lady of God has gone on to be with the Lord years ago. But during World War II in Germany, she was uh, housed Jews that uh, were in fear of losing their life. And she got called, and she and her sister both went to concentration camps. Her sister died in the concentration camp. She survived. But listen to what she says. If the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. If the devil cannot make us bad... He will make us busy. And it's interesting, these sailors, they were willing to go out of their way to save him, Jonah. But Jonah was unwilling to go out of his way to save others. These unbelievers were doing all they could to preserve his life. But Jonah wouldn't lift a finger to help Nineveh. So I've got a question for you today. And it's the same question that these sailors asked Jonah. And that's this, what should we do? What should we do to win the lost? Years ago, before Pastor and Janie came, we had another pastor Great guy, I love him today. Great pastor, great friend. 
And the culture of the time, back about 20 years ago, was that um, most men would wear a coat and tie to church. Ladies would wear dresses. Wearing your Sunday best, you've heard it called that. That was kind of the culture then, good or bad, indifferent, whatever. So I remember I, would, I was playing the bass, and there was a hook over behind this wall, and I'd take my coat off, had the tie on, play the bass, and put my coat back on and then walk around. And one Sunday, regular practice, and I walked in, and when I walked in, there was a, a guy standing in the corner. Didn't think much of it. I noticed he was dressed a little rough. So I went ahead and did whatever I was doing, and I came back, and he was still standing there. So I walked up to him. I said, hey, man, introduce myself. I said, come on in the auditorium. Come on, man. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I said, yeah, come on. Come on, I'll sit with you. Come on, man. I knew it was his first time. No, I, I, I can't do that. I said, why? I'm not dressed good enough. Broke my heart. I tried everything, but he ended up leaving, and I thought, what have we done? What have we done? That we've created a barrier between those that aren't like us. And they've got to become like us before we allow them in. Now, it, it wasn't the pastor's fault. It wasn't the church's fault. It was just the culture of the time. But I'm trying to make a point. Grace doesn't act that way. You know, I'm learning a lot what grace really means. And I'm learning how in the past I would say, Lord, thank you so much for your grace to me. While in the back of my mind, I understood it to be forbidden to others with a different mindset than mine. That's not true grace. A few years ago when we bought the downtown campus, uh, it was Oktoberfest was coming up. And you know, uptown, uh, there's a bunch of people that show up. They've got the bands and all the, the venues and all. So we decided that since we were a storefront there, though we weren't open, we would set out a table and have some water bottles. We made some labels and taped them to the water bottles, and we'd just pass them out to people. Say, hey, uh, just want to say hello. We're new up here. We're Grace Church. And just bless them with water while they're walking. So we did that for a couple nights during Oktoberfest. And I remember the second night, uh, we had about five or six people there that we were passing out the bottles. And someone came up and said, are you with that group up there? And I looked around. And I said, no, all our people are here. Okay. And a couple other people said that. And I said, and someone then came up and said the same thing. Are you with that group up there? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, you need to go check that out. <laughs> like, well, okay. Got my curiosity up. So I walked up there. And there at the railroad track, you know what I'm talking about, uptown, there were a few guys. They were hanging from the pole there. They had on black T-shirts with, with, with orange flames coming up. And the shirt said, you're going to hell if, you're going to hell if, you're going to hell if. And they had the blanks all filled in. And they were screaming to people that were walking along, you're going to hell. You think you're good, you're going to hell. Oh, God has already seen you and you're going to burn. You're going to burn. I'm thinking, really? I thought, 
they think we're them? I'll be honest with you, I was a little embarrassed. Because that was the pointing finger. Not the open hand. Again, we are Grace Church for all people. That means that God's grace and his kindness is extended to everyone. Not just our kind of people. Now here's the key. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. We don't lower the bar of holiness. We open the door of grace. I want to say that again. We don't lower the bar of holiness. We open the door of grace. Because the open door of grace is the pathway to holiness. Now when I say holiness, what do I mean? I found a very good description of that. Oswald Chambers in his book, My Utmost for His Highness, states this. Holiness is a man rightly related to God. Holiness is a man rightly related to God. So getting back to the story, we see that these sailors, these men that were, uh, their business was running this boat, says they made vows and offered sacrifices to the Lord in verse 16. Now if we look back earlier in Jonah 1.5, it says this, All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. Now these men, these sailors, they were pagans, they were heathens, they were non-Jewish believers. They cried out to their God, trying desperately to escape this fate that they faced. And it's interesting to note that while they were crying out for help and mercy, the man of God, the prophet of God, was not. He was asleep. Something to consider. So they confronted Jonah. Jonah said, just throw me overboard. Everything will be fine. It's my fault. This storm is my fault. Just throw me overboard. So at at his request, they threw him overboard. And when when he hit the water, all of a sudden, boom, the sea was calm like glass. Can you imagine? Wow. Calm. That made a believer out of those dudes. I think it would me too. They came to understand maybe our gods aren't quite so much. This God that Jonah talks about, wow, look what he did. Jonah 1.16, at this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So these Pagans, these heathens, these non-Jewish believers, these new converts, if you want to call them that. They made vows and they offered a sacrifice to Jonah's God. And when you do some study in Barnes Notes commentary, it says this. Vows that they would never depart from him whom they had begun to worship. 
So the reality of this is that these pagans, these heathens, these unbelievers, they had more faith in God than Jonah did. They had more faith in Jonah's God than Jonah himself did. Now right there is grace at work. God showed grace to these men that cried out to him. He exposed his character to them, and they became devout believers. As we go on, verse 17, it says, The Lord appointed a great fish. As you read these four chapters of Jonah, this small little book, you see the word great over and over and over again. It talks about the great city. That's like the call of God that's on us. The great storm that maybe we see something's too big for us and, and us running from God. And then appointed a great fish. And that's God's provision. God wasn't continuing to punish Jonah saying, you know, the fish gobbled him up and said, that's what you get, buddy. That wasn't God. What God did is he provided an escape for Jonah so he wouldn't drown thrown into the water. This was God's provision to give Jonah a second chance. Because grace gives you another chance. That's what grace is. And when you continue to read, you'll see Jonah says, wow. He's in the belly of, of the great fish. And he says, maybe I should have done things differently. And he repents to the Lord and things change. The word says that the fish releases Jonah onto the shore after Jonah repents. Once again, there's grace showing itself again. And then in Jonah 3.1, God calls Jonah a second time. And then there's our great God and his plans prevail. What he ordains, he makes sure happens. So we see Jonah, he goes to Nineveh, he preaches repentance. The people turn from their sin. And this has always kind of got me. Jonah goes and he speaks to these people and they listen to him and they change their ways. And Jonah says, I don't like that. You know, if I went and I talked to somebody and they, they turned around and they changed their ways and they listened to what I had to say, I'd kind of think that's pretty cool. Jonah didn't like that because, remember, his uh, patriotic nationalism was still in place. Then later on in chapter 4, we read about Jonah getting upset about a trivial little matter. And the Lord confronts him on that and says, is it right for you to be angry about this? Says, yes, it is. I, I have a right to be angry. Listen to grace coming from the Lord. He says, in the same way, should I not be concerned about this great city of Nineveh? 120,000 people and their animals, they don't understand right from wrong. Shouldn't I be concerned about them? And the interesting part of the book of Jonah is, at that point, the book's done. We never hear of Jonah's response. I think it's interesting, the, uh, according to Jewish tradition, the book of Jonah 
is read in the Jewish synagogue every year during the Day of Atonement of Yom Kippur. And it's a reminder of God's mercy shown to those who return unto him sincerely. They understand. It's a book of grace. But I want us to look at another example. When you look through the Word, you find grace all over the place. But I want us to look at another example in the New Testament, and that's Zacchaeus. Remember, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were disliked as much back then as they are today. We don't want the IRS knocking at our door, do we? Garnish your wages, interest, all that stuff. But Jonah was much more than that because he was a traitor to his people. Because he would steal from them, take from them, keep some for himself, and then give what was due to their captors. So you all remember, I'm sure if you grew up in church, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, wee little man was he, climbed up in the sycamore tree. Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. So you know the story. So Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to spend some time with you. Let's have some fellowship, man. I want to come to your house. So the people that are there see that, and I want you to listen to what they say. Luke 19, 7 through 10. This is the easy-to-read version. I like the way it puts it. It says, everyone saw this. They began to complain. Look at the kind of man Jesus is staying with. Zacchaeus is a sinner. Zacchaeus said to the Lord, I want to do good. I'll give half of my money to the poor. If I cheated anyone, I'll pay them back four times more. Jesus said, today is the day that salvation has come to this house. Yes, even the, this tax collector is one of God's chosen people. The Son of Man came to find lost people and save them. Came to find lost people and save them. Again, there is grace. Grace in action. The truth is, the word grace is proclaimed from every page of the word. And it's ultimately revealed in Christ. In the last verse of the Bible, the last book, the last verse, says from Genesis to Revelation about grace. And this is what it says, Revelations twenty two twenty one, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. The worship team, come forward. An author by the name of Timothy Keller writes this about the book of Jonah. He says this, The main purpose of God is to get Jonah to understand grace. But the main purpose of the book of Jonah is to get us to understand grace. What we need to do is change the pointing finger to the open hand. The pointing finger of judgment to the open hand of grace. <laughs> you know, through this series that Pastor has preached to us, I have come to see Jonah in me. Now listen, I'm not changing my values on what I believe God's Word says. But I am changing my understanding about God's grace, about God's heart.
Romans 8, 38 and 39, and the voice says this, For I have confidence that nothing, not death, life, heavenly messengers, dark spirits, the present, the future, spiritual powers, height, depth, nor any created thing can come between us and the love of God revealed in the anointed Jesus, our Lord. For many years now, I have prayed every morning, Lord, help me to see myself through your eyes. Because many times when I look in the mirror, I don't like what I see. But recently, I've begun to change that prayer. And I've begun praying, Lord, help me to see others through your eyes. Because, Lord, I may not like what they, what I see. But I haven't walked in their shoes. I don't know their life experience. What right do I have to say you're wrong? You're wrong. This is God can't touch you. So, Lord, help me to see myself through your eyes. Help me to see others through your eyes. Now, again, at the book, at the end of the book of Jonah, the Lord says, Do I not have a right to have compassion on these people? And we never hear Jonah's response. And I think maybe that's by design. Because I think maybe the Lord is waiting on a response from us. Will you give the finger of judgment or the open hand of grace? I want you to stand with me. And I want us to pray together. Father, help us, Lord, to lay down the barriers and the walls and to, Lord, have an open heart and an open mind, not changing our values but, Lord, changing our heart. Lord, to have not the pointing finger of judgment, but the open hand of grace, which is your character. Change us. Help us see through your eyes truth and reality for your glory. In Jesus' name.
Then came the morning that sealed the promise. You buried body began to breathe, and out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Amen. Then came the together. Father, thank you that you have showed us grace. And Father, we ask for opportunities this week to get a glimmer and understanding of grace. Give us opportunities this week, Father. Ask your blessing upon each one here, Lord, in Jesus' name. Bless Pastor and Janie, Lord, in their week. Bless them. Bring them home safely in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week. See you Wednesday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, Join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.